The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. Kia ora, nā mihi nui kia koutou. This is Paper Cuts, the podcast all about books. I'm Gina Todd, sitting in a little room in Mount Roskill, and I have these two wonderful women with me. Karen, describe your your location. <laughs> Kia ora, everyone. I am in lockdown in Waterview, currently on my bed in my bedroom. And Louisa Cossa? Uh, Louisa Cossa reporting, not live, but from South Parnell, apparently. <laughs> last time I checked <laughs> from from my couch as always you can contact us on Twitter and Instagram and Gmail Papercuts Pod and we would love to hear from you we're in isolation <laughs> yeah, please got nothing better to do than read your your feedback um, <laughs> today on Papercuts we have our usual book news book reviews not books and to be read piles so let's just get straight into it so apart from the world shutting down and everything being cancelled Karen what's been going on? There was a great article on the spin-off by the books editor Catherine Wolfe and the title was no shops no launches but the NZ book scene is finding new ways to reach people under lockdown and it was just a really energizing walk around the lockdown block of New Zealand books and there was the pertinent point that New Zealand books because you can't currently buy them from your local independent bookshop you can source them at mebooks.co.nz and also the library are widening their electronic resources and there was a great tip from microbiologist extraordinaire Susie Wiles who said that if you're sharing books um, put them in quarantine for three days before you start reading them just for your own safety and we can share the link to that yeah and definitely just wait for your local bookstore Mm. to open again they're all gearing up to sell to you when they can and I can bet you a million dollars you haven't read every book on your bookshelf (laughs) Yeah, what we're we saying haven't. is don't order from like the online giants overseas because there's no guarantee mm. that you will get those any sooner and mm. we need that money pumping into our economy, guys. Come for on. For sure, for sure. Um, and another thing on the agenda was the Ockham Book Awards. So the shortlist for each category has been announced and we can link to that. And I'm currently reading my way through the fiction shortlist as an Ockham. Ockham Fiction Champion. So I'm reading four books on the Jan Medlicott Acorn Prize for Fiction. And there's Oe by Becky Manawatu, which I'm about, I'm less than 100 pages away from finishing that. It's published by Mikado Press and it is fantastic. I'm really, really enjoying it. Um, I'll be reviewing that on 95BFM's Loose Reads. Um, Monday, April the 6th, another book on there is Halibut on the Moon by David Vaughan, published by Text, and I'll be reviewing that on RNZ's 9 to noon, Thursday, April the 9th. There's also Pearly Gates by Owen Marshall, published by Vintage New Zealand, and A Mistake by Carl Shooker, um, which is published by Victoria University Press, and I spoke about that book on Papercuts February 2019. Um I really recommend the shortlist. It's a great reading list and it's really diverse actually. So I think there's something for everybody on that shortlist. It's really great. So that's a really cool thing to be involved um, in. Yeah. 
and uh, when Karen says that she's the Occam Fiction Champion, a Occam Fiction Champion, uh, the New Zealand Book Awards Trust uh, had put the call out to local hand-selling champions and they nominated themselves to take on the challenge of reading all four of the books and sharing that knowledge with their colleagues and customers in their store. So you have all of these stores having someone who's read them all. So I can't wait to hear what you think about all of them and mm. also what you think should win. Ah, it's so comes. hard. Well, you know, the last two winners of um, this prize have been fantastic. Um, the New Animals by Pip Adam, which was 2018, and This Mortal Boy by Fiona Kidman, 2019, Um great books both of them and this is looking like a really great shortlist so yeah I can never pick who will win anything (laughs) but I always have an opinion about what I think ought to win (laughs) (laughs) I'm dying to read Aware so that's on my mm. list to, to get to during this lockdown. I don't have a physical copy, but I I'll I can pass make it on it to you when I'm done. If we ever see each other again, <laughs> when when we ever see each when when, yeah. when we do, yeah. It's <laughs> uh, always the definitely the book that um, customers seem to pick up the most. Mm, it really is, isn't it? Which yeah. is great. Yeah, yeah that's, that's cool. really cool. Um, and I wanted to give a shout out to the Republic of Consciousness Prize winner uh, for 2020. Um, the winner was Animalia by Jean Baptiste Del Amo. It was published by one of my faves, Fitzcarraldo Editions and Text. And um, yeah, that's a great prize. You know, it's the prize that um, is for publishers that are small and have fewer than five employees. <laughs> so Cute. lots of great small presses which I'm of course a really big fan of so, so sh- yeah should we get to book reviews yeah Louisa are you ready oh, yeah I'm as ready as I'll ever be um <laughs> so this time I am mixing it up slightly by reviewing a a cookery book it's not exactly a recipe book mm-hmm. it's Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat, Mastering the Elements of Good Cooking by Simon Musrat. And this is just, it came out in 2017. Um, oh, who's the publisher? I did have it written down. Um, Canon Gate. This is the UK edition. So it handily has everything in metrics mm. um, and, and not in Fahrenheit. So yeah. thank God for that. There's one joke where, like, she says, like, oh, just remember like what the temperature should be by like saying I want to cook this dish 365 days a year and I'm like oh <laughs> it's awkward because <laughs> the measurement is you know if you're meant to cook this at 185 you know 180 degrees so yeah, don't do that <laughs> yeah yeah um so that's one thing that didn't translate but anyway this is a stunning book like physically it's gorgeous mm. I'm holding it up to you guys now mm. it's like a big chunky door stopper it's got like a beautiful fabric cover it's got gold foil and it's gorgeously illustrated by wendy mcnaughton with all these really charming kind of charts and diagrams and it's just it's just fantastic um and it's also an extremely functional book so the purpose of the standard purpose of this book is to you know you're meant to read it all the way through it's about the journey not the destination like I was very tempted to skip to the recipes at the back because I'm just a you know an idiot who wants like immediate gratification but no you should read it all the way through and she teaches you how to master cooking through those four elements of salt fat acid and heat so even you know if you've got a passing interest in cooking or even just in food and eating um actually the dedication not the dedication the little um little quote at the front is something like anyone who likes to eat can soon learn to cook well and that's by jane grigson and i love that because i fucking love to eat i love jane grigson and eating (laughs) yeah and sometimes i cook well but not all the time and you know i think like a lot of people i really struggle with like the consistency of my cooking you know i'll make a dish it'll go really well it'll be delicious and then i'll make it again it'll be like fucking awful and like disgusting so (laughs) (laughs) you know like burnt or like bland (laughs) and so what what salmon does is 
in parts of the book, she really breaks down the chemistry through these four elements of how you should be cooking. So, you know, just little, little tips like, you know, salting your meat as far in advance as you can, like the moment you get home from the grocery store, like that is actually something that I've not heard before. But then there's other tips like, you know, crush a clove of garlic with salt to really get that paste going. And like, that's something that I did know from my dad. So like, it's a lovely mixture of consolidating stuff that you already knew, but that was sort of kind of like vague folksy knowledge. And then like actually laying down the science, but in a way that like dummies like me can actually understand it and it's illustrated. So it's not too taxing on the old brain cells. Um, (laughs) It's just, so she has a really joyful and, you know, writerly way of writing about food. She really takes you there, transports you to that moment where you're first, you know, first tasting a delicious like roast chicken at a beautiful restaurant. But then, so it has a really great balance of these kind of essay sort of creative writing sort of parts and then the really laying down the facts of how you cook. So she takes you through these four elements in four sections. You've got one for salt, facet, fat, <laughs> facet, etc. <laughs> and then she kind of ties it all together at the end with like how to kind of combine dishes to, to make menus. And then she's got the recipes at the back. So I just, I cannot recommend it enough. It's, it's fun. And like, I'm not the kind of person who would usually read a recipe book. You know, I'm more someone who would be like, oh, I've got this particular like joint of meat and um, that's what I'm, you know, I'm going to look for something that says beef and then, you know, see how I go. But this is, this is a joy to read regardless Mm. of like how into reading cookbooks you are, which in my case is not at all. Um, It's like, Lou, what, um, what kind of recipes does she have? Um, so she's got like, a lot of really classic ones like pasta puttanesca and Mm. chocolate cake a lot of them have a twist um and then a lot of them are recipes so she her background is that she grew up um not grew up but she's worked in a lot of restaurants so a lot of them come from certain chefs that she's worked with a lot of them come from restaurants she's worked in and then some of them are recipes that she's kind of created and dreamed up with friends. Like there's one that I think, you know, she, she kind of talks about the, how recipes originated, you know, she and her friend were like really starving and they like, you know, made something out of the contents of their fridge. I think there's one, the forward is by Michael Pollan, the celebrated writer. And mm-hmm. um, they have a really cute friendship, which is kind of detailed in the book. And, you know, she talks about barbecuing with Michael Pollan. It's just, it's just delightful. I just, I'm really enjoying it. So I think I'm about halfway through it at the moment and I'm just kind of dipping into it as I go. It's a really great book to read during lockdown because, you know, you have a lot of, a bit more time, you know, to cook. And, and we're all cooking, aren't we? And I'm loving sharing the photos of what we're cooking and, yeah, yeah it's, exactly. and cooking and slow food and yeah. And Uber Eats is no longer an option. And I have to say, I was defaulting to it quite a lot, you mm. know, during busy times. And um, it's it's so much more satisfying to make something. Um, mm. And even if it's not perfect, you know, at this point, any food's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've watched the TV show Salt Fat Acid Heat based on the book. And what I love about her is that she's quite, um, as you said, joyful, but really childlike in her experiences. Like when she touched eat something her eyes like go really wide and she's just so excited by everything um and that the tv show has that balance of science and then the kind of creation or the story of how food comes to be so i think that would be a great read it was very very popular when it came out 2017 we just couldn't get it out of stock all the time at the bookstore and um yeah it's a good staple can't wait yep. to read the book and cook from it and watch yeah. the TV show. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to watch the TV show. I'd actually forgotten that that existed. Uh, so. Thanks for the reminder, Jenna. I think it's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Oh, hope so. <laughs> so we got read now. Um, all right, shall I review my book? Yes, please. Okay. Yeah. 
Well, I'm reviewing this book called Cherry Beach by Laura McPhee Brown. Um, it just came out in February of this year and it's published by Tex. Laura McPhee Brown is a young Australian writer and this is the story of two young women, Ness and Hetty, who move from Melbourne to Toronto when they're 20 years old. Ness is quiet, shy, quite uncomfortable, and Hetty is this effortlessly beautiful, quite aloof and magnetizing best friend of hers, and she's always watching her, trying to figure her out and feeling this love and envy for her. And it's a book I read in four sittings, just 50 pages each time. It's only 200 pages. And it's so gentle and sad. And characters are slightly blurry, but you don't get the full puzzle of each character. And you just dip in and dip out of these different scenarios. But it does. it is in this um, quite condensed time when they're in Toronto, but you have flashbacks back to Australia so it feels like that kind of snapshot of that time in your life when you're in your 20s and you're changing flatmates and lots of people are around. And um, yeah, I found it quite beautiful. One thing that I really loved about it is the definitive character is the city of Toronto, um, which is the city I love a lot. And I was just there in January. So it has these landmarks and street names which really pinpoint the location that this is uh, sitting in. And it's really, really part of the book. And so it made me really nostalgic and sad for travel and when one can travel again. And um, you have these great street names in places like High Park and Eaton Centre, Queen Dundas and Bloor. And a, a key part of the book is set in the Art Gallery of Ontario, which is just such a beautiful gallery. Um, and it's where she sees um, the this painting, which is on the cover by Emma Curry. Um, and the, the cover of the book is so beautiful. Mm. So I would really recommend it. I think it's a, it's a wonderful read and it's yeah just as I said quite gentle which is what I need right now like a nice warm bath mm. but, but, but it is sad but it's it's really good it's about mental health it's about friendship it's about being a woman and um yeah I thought it thought it was great um so that will be on your local bookshelves book, bookstores bookshelf collecting dust but um <laughs> during the closure but just wait wait a little bit mm. and, until you can buy it I can't wait to read that book. It really caught my eye when it first came out, just that beautiful cover. I so know, I'm glad to lovely. hear that you liked it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, honestly, it's about a female friendship. Like, sign me up, yeah. not to be really predictable, but. <laughs> uh, my favourite, my favourite. And what I want to also <laughs> say is because at the same time I've been listening to Cat's Eye by Margaret Atwood, which I know is one of your favourite books, Louisa. Your favorite I love that book. book. And, it's very um, psychological. And that's also set in Toronto, but also um, Margaret Atwood does pop up at this in this book, <laughs> but the, the characters are kind of hanging out at this Korean grocery store waiting to see if she turns up. <laughs> that's great. In the kimchi aisle. <laughs> I mean, who hasn't done that? Yeah. <laughs> Great review, Jenna. Can't wait to read it. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks, Jenna. Um, Karen, go. So just touching on what you said, Jenna, you know, wanting something gentle to read that's like a nice warm bath. I think there's a lot of anxiety out there at the moment. And I think now is the time to kind of be reading those books that are like a tonic, like a balm, um, beautiful meditative books. And I wanted to recommend two beautiful gems of backlist. Um these two which are really important books to me uh wanderlust a history of walking by rebecca solnit and a field guide to getting lost also by rebecca solnit she's just such a woman for our times a writer for our times. so just really beautiful meditative uh gentle thoughtful books um to really get immersed in at a time like this when we're in lockdown and for my main book review, I wanted to revisit um, a re another really important book to me, which I feel is such an important book for our times at the moment too, really resonant, really pertinent, and that is The Lonely City by Olivia Lang. The Lonely City, Adventures in the Art of Being Alone, published by Canongate. Um, 
So in 2015, Olivia Lang wrote a piece in The Guardian uh, about loneliness in the internet era, and she was examining connectivity and intimacy. Um, and it was viewed by 24,000 people and shared more than 12,000 times. So it really struck a nerve with people. Um, and now more than ever, it will again. And so this book was an extension of that. She works with the idea of urban loneliness and how cities in particular can be really lonely places and how in admitting this, we acknowledge that loneliness isn't just about physical and literal kind of solitude, but rather an absence or paucity of closeness, connection and kinship. And she raises so many pertinent um, questions. What does it mean to be lonely? How do we live if we're not intimately engaged with others? And does technology help us um, or does it hinder us to be sort of trapped behind the clamshell glow of our screens, prowling the endless chambers <laughs> of the internet? And I know that a lot of us during this time that we're in at the moment um, we're so grateful for that connection that we're able to have. Um, so this book, she is just so good at merging memoir, reportage, cultural history, biography, and criticism. It's very clever and impeccably structured. I think she has crafted such an interesting and vital niche for herself in terms of this kind of cultural criticism. Um, anyway, so... As a catalyst, as she always does with all of her books, she uses an incident. All her books actually start with a breakup. Well, most of them start with a breakup. So she begins the book moving to New York City from England um, as a breakup has happened. And she kind of examines the displacement that she felt and the loneliness that she experienced. And she began to realize that Manhattan, you know, as a densely populated place, um, when one inhabits a city that even as a city is rigorously and logically kind of constructed as Manhattan, you can get lost. And so what did she turn to? What did she do? She turned to art. And, she looks at key artists who I guess weren't necessarily plagued by loneliness themselves, um, but were all very hyper aware and alert of the gulfs between people and how it can make them feel stranded on an island amid a crowd. And so she's looking at Edward Hopper, Alfred Hitchcock, uh, Andy Warhol and David Waranovich, who I was so grateful to be introduced to um, by this book. I hadn't heard of him before, so that was a wonderful discovery. And I think reading this book is so great for a time like this because it really sends you down a path of writers to explore, artists to look at, films to watch. Um, it's just such a such a gem. And I think if anyone translated so effectively loneliness into art it was um, Edward Hopper the amazing realist painter um, just those muted images of solitary men and women glimpsed behind the glass of cafes and offices and hotel lobbies um, just think of that iconic um, painting Nighthawks it's just so evocative and moody isn't it and such a signature image I think of isolation in the city so similarly, she merges into the films of Hitchcock and with his film in particular, Rear Window. I don't know if you guys have seen that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, such a great film that shows how voyeurism can work to isolate the viewer, but also the viewed. So she dances around all these um, walls of architecture and paranoid architecture of the city which I just really loved and the result is just this really beautifully pitched and paced unique book and she's just such a brilliant and sensitive writer and kind of pulls together all these amazing brainy alluring um threads which is just such a joy to read and I think it is such a balm and a tonic and such a comfort. It's not a self-help book, of course, but can kind of serve the same purpose for all its richness and sensitivity and just for this strange time that we're in at the moment, you know, we're all together alone in this 
kind of strange moment and it's just a beautiful book and I just think everybody should read it and give it to everyone that they love. Oh, um, it really reminds me of a book that came out just in paperback. I've just read How to Do Nothing by Mm. Jenny O'Dell and I feel like those two sit quite nicely together. Great companion books. Great companion books and um, at the bookshop I was one of the first mornings when the lockdown well just before the lockdown but I had a web order for one for the lonely city and one for (laughs) how to do nothing and it was just people were really craving that and kind Mm. of those writers kind of tell you it's okay um but Jenny O'Dell does that um she's kind of talks about productivity but she talks about she uses art to really demonstrate all of her points as well and she talks about Edward Hopper too but Mm. I think they're great companion books. So Olivia Lang has a new book imminently being published called Funny Weather Art as an Emergency and it's a similar thing so pertinent for the times she published a piece on The Guardian really really recently like days ago about turning to art in times of crisis so I think that's another book that people will really want to check out and I can't wait to get my hands on it (laughs) you'll get it you'll get it sometime but it it really demonstrates in this time of when you can't do much how important art is to you Mm. and how um tv and podcasts and music and um books and all of those things that some people think are quite meaningless mean everything yeah absolutely so we've all done a book review that's great so not (laughs) books what have you been doing with this time that you haven't been reading louisa louisa oh god um uh well I thought that I would pour one out for our fellow spin-off network podcast, The Real Pod, um, which has just been such a joy to listen to over the years. And it's very sadly coming to an end. Um, I think that the newest episode is available now, or at least it will be. Yep. It's it's nodding. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to listening to that. Um, so The Real Pod by Duncan Grieve, Janie and Alex Casey, um, such a fun, just hilarious, bubbly. Um, I guess it started off as a review of reality TV, but it's become so much more than that. Um, and oh, I'm gonna cry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really delightful, and you know, um, it it's ending because Alex has got an amazing new job um, for Warner Brothers. So that's a really nice note to end on. But um, yeah, I mean, they have they are responsible for me watching a lot of shitty TV because I just want to, I want to know what they're talking about on the podcast because they're so hilarious and it's such a great listen. But you know, if you haven't watched the bachelorette, you kind of feel a bit out of the loop. So I've watched the entire season of the New Zealand bachelorette and my poor partner has had to listen to it while I've been watching it. And he's just so relieved that it's finishing. I didn't watch the bachelorette, Louisa. Gosh. What? I, I, even I didn't watch oh. the <laughs> I was just going to say, surely Jenna's watched this as well. It was too, no, it was on even, too much. It was, on, it was just on all the time. I couldn't keep up It was up with really it. full on. It was hard to keep on top of it, but I did it. It was a real marathon. Um, and so they uh, they finished up kind of at the same time as the New Zealand Bachelorette. Can't really recommend the New Zealand Bachelorette. It was kind of shit. Um, but the real pod was amazing. And I... You know, even though it is finishing, I do recommend going back and listening through. Um, it is, um, yeah, just just so delightful, and I'm really going to miss it. And as oh, part of my kind of regular listening schedule, I'm going to miss it too. I'm just going to miss it so much. I just don't know what to do with myself. And you know, we know what it's like putting a podcast together, and we only do it once a month, and they're doing it every week. It is actually, it's not always just like talking shit. No, but it's like it's. It's just so warm and comfortable and I feel like they have this really strong army of listeners that love them so much and I just will always want to know what their take is on stuff for forever more. Yeah, I, think I mean, they might the, to do the, some guest pods, special The private group on Facebook, the Real Pod Corner, is I think gonna live on. So if you can like manage to get in there, then I do recommend that as a good way to to 
celebrate the celebrate them for for the rest of eternity hopefully i saw um, that i saw that 2000 there were 2000 comments on one of the last episodes of the bachelor threads thing yeah yeah i um i was observing i was not commenting because i don't know <laughs> I'm too awkward. A lurker. A lurker. <laughs> I'm a lurker. I'm a, always a lurker, perennial yeah. lurker. So that is my not books. And right. pull, pull one out for the real pod. Ah, oh, well, I've been, um, I've just discovered in the last couple of days, Chris Parker's uh, Instagram stories where he makes felt animals. That's been very <laughs> soothing. It's like a bear holding a piece of toast or I think the new one that he's in the middle of making right now is like a, a rabbit holding a handbag or something is just so funny. And he just narrates what's going on, this, the absurdity. But Wait, while he's making it. it. Yeah, while he's making it and he's sort of <laughs> fluffing it up. And then and then he'll come back and bring it in the corner. And it's just, it's really good. And I've also been loving um, Sarah Lang's cut, daily mm. cartoons on what it's like in isolation. Yeah. That's totally going to be a book one day. I feel it. Yeah. I feel everything she says. And, um, the other thing that I was going to say for my not books was I've been trying to get myself, you know, get myself up and doing something. And I've started doing yoga with Adrian, the um, 30 days, the 30 day journey. Um, but she, uh, Sarah mentions yoga with Adrian and everyone I know is like, Oh, Adrian, I know her, but it's <laughs> just 20 minutes. She's so soothing. She has this dog called Benji that wanders around her as she does it, and she just says very gentle words. And it's not too, it's not too hard. It's it's quite easy yoga. It's just what I need. Those are my three nut books. Mm, Jesus, that's so good, Jenna. <laughs> well, you got to do it, and I interspersed that with a little bit of um, this Filipino Zumba channel. That's um, oh yeah, <laughs> keeping me going. <laughs> So, live, laugh, love, or something like that. <laughs> Please link that because I'm intrigued. Yeah. <laughs> Karen, let's have your not books. Yeah, so mine, I can't watch Bergman and Cassavetes all the time, eh? Like, I need like, something. Like, I need something funny or crack up sometimes um, now more than ever. So, I watched this um, movie length TV. Uh, episode of Nathan for You called Nathan for You Finding Francis. Have you guys seen Nathan for You? I can't do I, Nathan for You. I can't do it. I am. I am a fan of Nathan for You, but it is so. Oh, it does make it's you awkward. cringe. It just makes everything clench up. It is so cringe. But this is sort of a special um, edition. It's a. It's not. He's not central to the story. Um, so anyone, for anyone who doesn't know, Nathan View is a deadpan docu-reality comedy TV series and it's written by and stars this comedian called Nathan Fielder and he actually has a business background and the show <laughs> is his experience of um, trying to help failing businesses and he comes up with the most ridiculous, absurd scenarios and gets them to stage or undertake sort of far-fetched strategies and they just accelerate and become more and more ridiculous and awkward. And I think it's really funny. And there's usually a parallel story of him and he's super awkward and deadpan. It's great writing, really authentic and good comic timing. But this one episode is so good. It's Finding Francis. Um, so there's one episode where there's a Bill Gates impersonator who has – he doesn't look anything like Bill Gates at all. <laughs> He's really hopeless and really dungy. And also, um, what, who has a need for a Bill Gates impersonator as well? It's just such a charming so idea. Good. It's so good. Anyway, his name's Bill Heath, and he actually shows up again in this episode, and we find out that he has a long lost love from his youth, a woman called Frances, and so. Nathan realises how much this woman, Frances, means to Bill, not Bill Gates. <laughs> <laughs> and so they set out on this ridiculous journey together to find Frances. And they do all these ridiculous things as we follow them um, through their journey. They hold a fake 57-year high school reunion and a fake film shoot. And it's totally crack up and really entertaining and really tragic and sad and brilliant. But... um. 
it gets a bit dark and disturbing as well. Um, at one point, he hires a woman who's an actor to reenact or imagine what it would be like for Bill to reunite with Francis. So they act it out so Nathan can observe um, how weird Bill is, I guess, and give him pointers. And it is really intense and really cringe. And then at one point, he has this great idea, why don't I hire an escort so they can reenact what it will be like for them to get oh, together. Gosh. But then Bill says, no, 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 I don't want to I don't want to do that. So rather than waste the um, session, Nathan goes himself, and that's the whole parallel story of him being really awkward. <laughs> um, super, super awkward and hilarious, and we just follow them on this journey to find Francis, and it is really good writing. Um cracked me up so much and made me cringe a lot but just the right balance and I don't know if you guys know the documentary filmmaker Errol Morris but he is amazing he's like the best documentary filmmaker ever but he wrote a great piece in the New Yorker raving about Finding Francis and how it was really good um and it's real (laughs) I thought it was all acted but (laughs) it's real it's making me crack up thinking about it so that's my notebook. So if I hate Nathan for you, I should. Would I like this? Well, it's two hours. Oh my god! So it might be. Like, it might be torture. Um, I've, I've only seen the one where he was trying to get those people to have poo flavored oh, ice yeah. cream. Yeah. So I was like, no way, I can't do this. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Love it, Nathan Fielder. He's a real dude. He's he Canadian. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. He gives a very kind of awkward, like socially awkward mm. vibe. I wonder how close he is to that persona in real life. I know. Um, I forgot to mention that there's also in the Bill Gates impersonator episode, there's a Johnny Depp um, impersonator and his Ooh. name's Ronnie Rodriguez <laughs> and looks nothing like Johnny Depp. It's, yeah. I mean, impersonators is such a good topic. It's just such a bonkers thing to do. It's just it just gets weirder for... and weirder. Yeah. 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 A, a weird gig. Um, <laughs> thank you, Karen. I think that's gonna that's going right to the top of my watching list. <laughs> Trying to get back into Nathan Fear. <laughs> Two hours. Oh Two my hours. gosh. <laughs> Fucking hell. Maybe Deep. not. <laughs> it goes fast great <laughs> oh well cool so that's your only not books mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and not all of us can have three jenna jesus Sorry. i tried to keep them fast <laughs> um and we'll be back after this break Hi, sorry to interrupt. We just wanted to talk to you about the Spinoff Members. Recently launched, it's a new program that allows readers to contribute to the future direction of our coverage. We'll regularly survey readers to find out what you care about and want us to cover. And if you donate over $80 annually, you'll get some sweet limited edition merch goodies. Head to the spinoff.co.nz slash members to find out all about it. And welcome back. Right, so now we're on to our to-be-read piles, which should be bulging. Mm-hmm. I know just um, when I was about to leave work on that last day, I just scanned the reading shelf and just was like, oh, oh, grabbing everything <laughs> off and kind of freaking out. But then um, I moved recently and I was unpacking some boxes and I was like, oh, my God, I actually have so many other things to yeah. read as well. The piles are around me. Oh, but, keep going, Jenna. Tell us what's on your pile. Well, I can't remember if I... Did I say this last time, Eleanor Ferrante, The Days of Abandonment? Yep. Yeah. Yes, Still you did. Still haven't read it, but I have time <laughs> to read it now. Mm-hmm. And um, especially as it's a library book and I can't return it. So looking forward to that. I've just watched season two of My Brilliant Friend. It was amazing. Um, this book called State Highway One by Sam Coley. He's a New Zealand writer and this is published by Hachette. Um, It's a road trip novel around New Zealand. Looking forward to it. This book that I know Karen loves, Going Dark by Julia Mm. Ebner. Um, What is is that subtitle? The Secret Social... Lives of Extremists. Oh. Yeah. Okay. It's great. She was uh, meant to come to the Writers' Festival. Um, Rest and Be Thankful by Emma Glass. I really liked her previous novel, Peach. And Adults by Emma... Oh, it's... 
What's it called, Karen, in New Zealand? Um, growing Ups. Oh, no, that's the Marion Keys one. It's called Adults. It's called but adults. in America, the American edition's called Growing Ups. Yeah. Oh, and, so um, yeah. this is not by Marion Keys. Not the but novel not by, by Marion Keys. No, yeah. it's very confusing. So I think because of Marion Keys, they called it adults mm-hmm. in New Zealand and UK. <laughs> it's very confusing. Um, and then quickly, I'm just reading right now the third Rainbow Girl um, Long Life of a Double Murder in Appalachia, and that is by Emma Copley Einsberg. Mm. And I'm pretty sure this was a recommendation from Sinead Gleason when she spoke to Kim Hill because I just put it on my library booking pile and then I can't remember when it came in. I was like, oh, I just can't really remember how why I wanted to uh, read this, but I'm pretty sure it was Sinead Gleason's recommendation. Is that all? <laughs> well, there's more, but I'm going <laughs> to start now. I, no, no. I just can't get enough of it. So good. <laughs> I love seeing what people are, what um, I've got on their bookstore. I'll turn my camera around a bit if I can, but I've just got this other pile <laughs> there. Um, so I've just got enough to keep me going for a long time. Yeah. Great, Jenna. How about you, Lou? Well, um, I was selective um, because um, I also kind of panic hoarded some books what I did was I was at home on the day that they announced that the libraries were closing so I fucking scampered to the library (laughs) and just went absolutely fucking nuts and got all these books and I'm really excited to read my way through it and like you Jenna I got home and looked at my bookshelf and I was like (laughs) I actually have heaps of shit that I haven't read yet let alone stuff that I could reread but whatever I'm still really excited to have like all this new shit could you describe the library on that day when you went was it crazy um no it was surprisingly chill um I think one of the librarians gave me a knowing look as I like hefted my ten book pile to the to the checkout desk. It was the library's always pumping in my neighborhood. Like you know, bless them. Um, I will say that there were a few people who were standing a bit too close to me, and I definitely gave them the fucking stink eye. I was like, "Get the fuck away from me, you germ factories!" Because by this time, like social distancing was in place. Um, so it was like a weird scene of like me trying to get all these books, but also trying to stay away from everyone else. Um, but yeah, I was surprised that there weren't more men- more people down there panic borrowing. But I guess a lot of people didn't get the memo until it was mm. too late. Um, so gutted for those people but um hey i got my books so um um just a select few from that pile um oh, one of them i've got with me and the rest are in the other room so i'll get them if you want um untold night and day by bae Sua, um south korean novelist um i've already started reading it it is so good it's like just got that really kind of quiet quality but it's quite strange um it didn't it wasn't unlike um another book I read recently called braised pork and that there's like an element of unreality but also a lot of kind of isolation and um and it's quite quiet so I'm really intrigued to see where it goes um I've only just started reading it but what I will say is that it's set in an audio theater an audio only theater that is very rare rarely I find it so hard to say the word rarely um and make it not sound like the word really anyway not not visited very often not a lot of patrons so it's got like a really beautiful eerie quality to it um, what else is on my list here? Sorry, I'm trying to like look at it as I go. Oh, um, a collection of short stories by Celia Fremlin, who I'd not heard of before, but I don't know if she's maybe a big deal. She's an English writer. These are short stories, horror stories, psychological horror mainly, um, very sort of claustrophobic. Reminds me a bit of like Daphne du Maurier meets like um, – like, uh, like Carmen Maria Machado maybe, like kind of like these horrif- horrifying short stories, but they're really short, short and sharp. 
I'm enjoying it so much. Um, Sounds amazing. And this is just one of the books. Yeah, I think you would really like it, Karen. Um, The imprint is Faber Fines, and um, so it's like this, you know, cute little sub imprint of Faber, and they're these kind of like, you know, the way that it was packaged, it's like this like dinky little paperback, and you know, I just saw it and I was like, oh yes, I think this is for me. Um, So really enjoying that. what else is on my list here? I don't have a lot. Oh, Postcards from the Edge by Whoa, Carrie Fisher. Love I've it. been wanting to read that for so long. Ever since I saw that beautiful documentary about Carrie and her mother, which I cannot recall the title of just at the second. I would love um, to watch that doco. I haven't seen oh, it. Oh, dude, you've got to see it. Cool. I watched it on the plane and... I mean, I cried because, like, A, it's me and I'm very sentimental, and B, I was on a plane and everyone knows that when you watch something on a plane, you will cry. Um, it's just a scientific fact. And, <laughs> yes, I'm really excited to read that book. Um, Carrie Fisher, what an icon. And have I got anything else on my list? No, that's it. I'm being very restrained and not telling um, you about Louisa, everything you on my the list. cover but... of an in rights uh, actress? Have I seen in the cover? Right? Yeah. Yes. That's a photo of uh, Carrie and Debbie Fisher. That's weird. I thought it was like a painting. It's a it's a really iconic photo of um, Debbie Reynolds on stage oh, performing. Debbie Reynolds. Debbie Reynolds on stage performing, and Carrie Fisher as a, a little girl, maybe about oh, four yeah. years old, something, watching from the wings. Oh, I have seen that. Sorry, Jenna. Yes, totally. Uh, I had no idea that that was the case. And I mean, thank you for reminding me of Carrie Fisher's Mother's Day, which momentarily escaped me, even though I fucking love Singing in the Rain, Singing and the she's rain. the star yeah. of that. Um, yeah, so that's my, that's my cut down list, right. um, but I'll take a photo of the, I'll take a photo of the full pile. Yeah, please so do. Can't wait have to see it. We'll share it on our social media. Yeah. Yeah. Such pros. <laughs> okay. Karen. So my to be read, so less than a hundred pages through, um, to go of OE by Becky Manawatu. Um, I guess, my to be read feels pretty hefty, but this is the time, right? This is when my biggest fear, my two biggest fears are not having enough books in the house or wine. <laughs> so um, definitely not going to run out of books, that's for sure. So OA by Becky Manawatu. The other books on the Occam shortlist, I've got Hamnet by Maggie O'Farrell, the fantastic Irish writer. I'm such a big fan of her writing. I've loved every book of hers immensely so looking forward to reading this book um, so that's sorry to interrupt but that's a re like a feminist retelling of hamlet is that right yeah yep it is that's correct and also a really pertinent book again it's funny how this happens but you know it's all about the plague and isolation oh. and sickness as well so um love her good irish writer and i have Sweet. this um copy of Annie Erno's A Girl's Story, um, the new book by Annie Erno, published mm-hmm. by Fitzcarraldo, big fan. I have Specimen by Madison Hamill, personal oh, essays. Mm, yep. Um, really looking forward to this. And this book here, which I've been waiting for for months and months, um, <laughs> Notes from an Apocalypse. <laughs> 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 A Personal Journey to the End of the World and Back by the great writer Mark O'Connell. This one's published by Granta. Really, really looking forward to this. And I'll be interviewing him, which is really exciting. But um, I did start the book at the beginning of our lockdown, and it was a bit intense, even for me. So I parked it a bit and watched Nathan for you. Um, but I'll, <laughs> I'll, Which I'll, is also very intense in its but own this way. is great. Heaps of New Zealand content in this book. Um, I've got this book, which I'm really looking forward to reading, The Wild Laughter by Caelan Hughes, another great um, Irish writer. And this is set around the time of the Celtic Tiger, um, similar to Anne Enright's Forgotten Waltz, I guess. So great quote on the cover from Kevin Barry, whose book Night Boat to Tangier I was a big fan of. Um, she has New Zealand connections too um, through the Victoria University, Wellington. And I've got about 50 pages left of Hurricane Season by Fernanda Malcor, 
Um, this is on the Booker International uh, long list. Great, brutal um, Mexican novel. And another book I've got, which I'm really tentative about, is um, Utopia Avenue by David Mitchell. Um, big, fat book. It's a rock novel. And I'm extremely sceptical of rock novels because hardly (laughs) anyone's been able to crack the bloody thing. So as much as I love David Mitchell, well, actually I like one of his books, Black Swan Green, which is the one that probably his fans don't like because it's more linear. It's the most normal one. I can't stand that magic realism bullshit. Um, (laughs) So I'm really kind of with trepidation. Set in London's psychedelic scene in 1967. Hopefully he can pull it off and not be try-hard, but um, we'll see how that goes. We'll see. Yeah. You'll, you'll, know, you'll know, Karen. You'll oh, no. once you start. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's my TBR. Oh, my goodness. Well, so much to read and, you know, a lot Quite of time. Quite a bit of time. <laughs> <laughs> what do yeah. we have to complain about, guys? Nothing. No. <laughs> um but I guess that's us for us for this month. Thanks so much for listening to everybody. And thanks to Tina um, for recording us from afar. I hope it all comes together nicely. <laughs> May have had Pray one or us. two technical Pray difficulties coming from our side, not Tina's. Yeah. <laughs> so. and, um, and, yeah, as always, you can just – Get in touch with us on all of our channels and thank you so much to the spin-off for having us even while in lockdown and we'll see you in a month huh and who knows where we will be i hmm. i can't predict i'm guessing probably still on my couch but we'll see <laughs> <laughs> kaki to everyone take care bye Hello for lover. I'm Madeline Chapman, editor at The Spin-Off. If you have the means, consider supporting our high-quality journalism by becoming a Spin-Off member. Sign up now at thespinoff.co.nz/donate. Kia ora e te iwi. Kia he Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz/donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.